This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Save 10% on any new subscription at trylootcrate.com forward slash AFBlues. Enter promo code BREACH10 for 10% savings. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 311 for the week of Wednesday, the 14th of February, 2018. I'm Ben, and with me tonight is... Scott! And this episode is brought to you by Mike's Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our toys of the week are the Mezco 112 Collective Deathstroke Action Figure and the XM Studios Ghost Rider, very, very big, really, like, the biggest thing ever. Well, happy Valentine's Day, Mr. Scotty. <laughs> I didn't get you anything. <laughs> oh, me? I, well, I got you um, a present, which is me. I'm back. Hooray. Hooray. Yay. And it's appreciated. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> On this special occasion. Yeah. Uh, what have you been up to? <laughs> um, I, A very um, busy but productive start to the year, just with um, some quite full-on things at work and busyness in the family and super appreciative of my wonderful podcast colleagues who have held the fort both in doing the shows and putting the shows together. Um, And for those of you that have been wondering where they've been, it's not been from lack of producing them. It's been, I have been the bottleneck, uh, which is actually getting them up. But Eddie has helped us and you will hopefully be hearing this much closer to the advertised date then the last few episodes and we will get back on track. So thank you very much for your patience and please stop the hate mail now. Ah, it's having to work for a living to buy toys is, you know, kind of getting in the way of the whole podcasting thing. It really is. I've just had way too much real life in my life, but the good news is it's not like bad real life. It's just like just lots, life. Of, lots of real life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> well, nothing. I mean, yeah, that's all pretty good in the scheme of things, though. Uh, I, I did come in to uh, into my uh, toy room to get set up earlier, and had noticed a massive figure lanch. So, uh, so as of uh, this moment, you know, talking at this moment in time, I have uh, somewhere in the vicinity of about thirty uh, DC figures that are going to need to be set up again and i i think i'm i'm sort of looking at who's on the floor kind of i've sort of picked them up and put them in a bit of a a neater pile but looking at the gap on the shelf and where everyone was roughly positioned i think it was the dc direct talon figure who i've had trouble with in the past has decided to uh leap to his death and unfortunately because he was kind of on about a fourth I've, i've got some of those little um shelf organizers you get from the the hospitality, you know, storage places. Yeah, and spice he was, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're just plain white to go with my white bookshelves. And he was on about the fourth step, and I, I think he's managed to take everybody out in front of him in one of those fantastic kind of domino effects where, you know, he takes out two people in front of him, they each take out two people, and by the time you get to the front row, like about 12 of them all went. So this is one of the reasons why I don't do accessories much. Because yes. when this sort of thing happens, you you find swords and stuff on the other side of the room three months from now, and yep, 
Yes, and so as I was grumbling and complaining about that, I actually looked over and noticed on the opposite side of the room, uh, some of my Marvel figures had taken a tumble, and I think the culprit copycats. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to work out who. I can't work out if it's the Super Skrull or um, sort of Madam Hydra or slash Viper. One of them, anyway, has taken a tumble and taken out half the army builder shelf. So, so yeah, that's about the most exciting thing. (laughs) <laughs> I, I had some um, developments in my uh, display um, areas this weekend because my offspring have moved from children to teenagers to teenagers. <laughs> and, you know, we've been in this house for five years now. And so they've slowly kind of rejigged rooms, etc. And we got some new desks and all kinds of things and cool. you know how like when kids are little you know, they have something on their plate that they don't want and so they, <laughs> they they're not just happy to just leave it on the plate and not eat it it has to kind of like be off the plate and spat out <laughs> onto someone else's etc. Mm-hmm. and so might have been doing that with furniture and and assorted belongings <laughs> so my eldest who's you know 17 kind of went through and just ejected uh, a number of boxes of belongings she no longer requires, and then also some uh, storage. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, just like kind of into the, there's like a, an activity room between their bedrooms. And I'm like, oh, what, what's happening here? And she's like, oh, I don't want those anymore. Like, <laughs> right. So what do we do with them? She's like, well, I don't know. I just don't want them anymore. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so we actually... Um, had a plan which was initially let's just reorganize this uh, room that had become the kind of dumping ground because when we first moved in th- it was like their study and but they've moved desks into their room now and they need to spend you know they've got a lot of homework and you know more time and it's more comfortable to do it in the room which is fine mm-hmm. and so our plan which was initially let's just tidy up this room and then decide what to do with it turned into let's reorganize half the house this weekend <laughs> And one of the um, side effects of that was that two, oh, what are they called? They're Ikea Expedits, the the kind of, you know, blocky cubey things. Oh, yes, yes. That, yeah, we, we had a billion of those when the kids were little and, you know, had storage and stuff. And those have slowly become no longer required. And mm-hmm. two of them mm-hmm. have ended up being uh, put into the study slash podcast room uh, <laughs> and it, like empty and they won't be empty for long. Nah, very nice. I know. I'm super excited. So there was a spare bed in here and that's now gone. Um, and yeah, so I'm very excited. Changes um, are afoot. I know it's kind of, you know, it's at a time where my display, the amount of things I'm actually displaying is kind of shrunk a bit because I've, you know, sold stuff and consolidated and whatever. So I need to kind of go through what I've got now and spread it out a bit more. Um, But also one of the things that that I was actually getting stuck for was space for premium format figures. And uh, this has opened up a new new world. So that's exciting. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah, the top of it. Yeah, up on on the top of it, there's probably room for kind of... Yeah, you know, f- four bigs or six not so bigs, and this makes me very happy. Yeah, there's something something really pleasing about being able to jig things around in your display slash collection that sort of allows you to put more out. And 
you know, for example, oh, I could never really get all of those particular characters together because I didn't have the space, but now I can and I can get the Justice League lined up, etc. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. exciting. Yep. Very good. Very good. Uh, what about any, you know, recent acquisitions? Uh, have you accomplished anything in the um, pursuit of collecting all the things? Yeah, but the only thing I think I picked up was some Star Wars Black when uh, the latest sort of waves of the Star Wars Black have been a bit kind of meh to me. They've been Last Jedi um, themed, and you, while you know I, I don't have any sort of overt issues with the film, um, I just thought the character choice um, was pretty bad, uh, and I think a lot of people commented about how there were sort of no wow characters in terms of merchandising. So, you know, we got another Poe, and we got Leia, and we got another Ray, and another Finn, and um, you know, it was all pretty, you know, pretty unexciting. And uh, but the OCD in me won't sort of let those figures go, but I just refused to pay sort of a full price, and uh, I just happened to have a, a really good wander around my uh, local mall the other day and something I haven't done for a while because I've been um, away on, on sort of leave um, with school holidays and whatnot. Uh, and I walked into my local Maya who had marked their figures down, but then there was a big sign saying take another 20% off already marked down figures. And so um, I got them for about half of what they would normally retail for. So I kind of, uh, yeah, managed to get up to date, which was really good because – the next wave of figures have got some sort of exciting characters like Jaina Solo, uh, who I'm really looking forward to, and I've got those on pre-order um, from an e-tailer. So it was kind of kind of cool that I've now filled in that gap and, and didn't pay full retail. So, That's so excellent. yeah, nothing exciting, but it was kind of exciting at the same time. So yeah, <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Well, look, I haven't. I have been that busy. <laughs> like I think, yeah, because I have, I've kind of um, been a little bit more structured in terms of okay, these are the things that I'm, uh, you know, b- planning to buy just to you know, kind of manage budget, etc. Did I mention I have a horse I have to pay for? Hello? Yes. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I've got two bombshell statues in the. Um, mixed review, one of which is Starfire, which just came out. And then the other is Raven, which came out a year ago, but I only just got because um, I pre-ordered it through Zing, who normally gets stuff on time or early, and for mm-hmm. whatever reason it just kind of fell into a black hole. And I kept uh, yeah, every so often I'd kind of check in and they'd be like, oh yeah, it hasn't been released yet. And I'm like, Right, so it was actually released in January 2017. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're just kind of looking at their computer, and what they mean is we haven't got it yet. Yeah, um, and, and we hope and, that, you're, uh, you know, you're not informed enough to be able to tell us otherwise. Yeah, and, you know, I, you know, you kind of know when you're – I'm not going to browbeat someone for not knowing that they're yeah. – you know, I'm just like, okay, yeah, right, well – uh, but then I did actually have a good conversation with the manager of the my local store, and he was like, "Yeah, that's really weird. I don't quite know what's happened. There's two of them. There's one that I didn't pre-order th- through them, which was the Flash, like the Jesse Quick one, which again has been out for you know I'd say almost a year, and mm, mm. they they still haven't got that. That's still on pre-order. So it's just obviously just some weird thing with their supplier. So I got those two, which actually will make a nice little bookend review set with the kind of yeah. you know Titans theme." Um, and otherwise, oh, I finally managed to track down 
all the figures that I wanted from the um, Black Panther Marvel Legends wave. I got the oh, Bol- yes. the Black Bolton Namor a while ago, but I um, I didn't initially. I think when I first came across them, there was an Iron Man there, and I didn't really pay much attention to it. And then when I kind of saw in hand pictures of mm. them, just particularly the Tony Stark head, then I was like, oh, I think I actually do want that Iron Man. And then, of course, it's become hard to find. Um, it has, hasn't it? So, yeah, it's really <laughs> taken off. Yeah. And so, but and I just happened to stumble across one and I was very happy um, in my local, well, it's still called Toy Kingdom on the outside, but it's actually a toy world now. <laughs> um, and that is about it. I'm hunting. Well, I know, like, not hunting. I haven't been organized enough yet to go get the Katana Bishojo statue, mm, which mm. is out now. I've, I saw it. I was up in Brisbane last week, uh, and I was like doing a fly-in, fly-out and had nowhere to – Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I was like, I can't really be bothered dragging that onto a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the logistics, hey? Uh, turned out to be a good call because the flight before mine was cancelled, and so my flight was full to the brim with cranky people. And then we sat on the tarmac for 45 minutes and then circled for about 45 minutes over Melbourne before we finally landed, and there was this poor, delirious elderly lady that kept getting out of her seat and (laughs) wandering around after they'd put the seatbelt sign on. And she was like, I really need to get out now. (laughs) Oh, bless her. I know. I don't know what she was doing traveling by herself. Like, or what, you know, but they they were, I have to say that the um, cabin crew were just absolutely beautiful with her, you know, because it's it's dangerous to, and normally if someone was out of their seat, they'd be like, you need to sit back down. Like, this is dangerous, whatever. But they were like, why don't you come sit with us finally? They kind of took her up into somewhere, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Bless her heart. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she's still wandering around the terminal today. And she's still wandering around. <laughs> no, there was actually – I was really re- pleased to see that there was someone there to, to collect her. So yeah. that, was, <laughs> that was good. Very, very good. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, yeah. well, we have a few toys to talk about. Some yeah, I don't know if I know how to stuff. do that anymore, really. But yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some toys. Okay. The Incredible Hulk meets Spider-Man. Each figure a foot tall and fully poseable. All you need is a piece of string and here comes Spider-Man. Avalanche! This is a job for the Hulk. The Incredible Hulk with a face that's mean. Lots of muscle and skin that's green. Good job, handsome. The Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man from the Superhero Collection, each sold separately by Mego. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail. And these might be new releases, or we might talk about favourite or bizarre items from our collection. And Scotty. Well, I was going to say it's over to you first, but it's kind of only the two of us. So over to you. (laughs) Over to me. Over to me. Thank you, Ben. So avid listeners of the show will know that one of the lines I have really been enjoying collecting is the 112 collective line from Mezco. Went a little bit crazy at the beginning, uh, (laughs) but I'm focusing on just the DC characters um, now. 
just for uh, budgetary reasons, um, <laughs> and also you know space, etc. Yeah. Um, did I mention I have a horse I have to pay for? <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and one of the ones that I have been looking forward to is Deathstroke, and that is what I'm reviewing tonight. So just for those that uh, might know, uh, the One Twelve Collective line has really kind of taken the community by storm and this is 112th scale eg six inch figures um pretty much you know marvel legend size but with cloth costumes uh lots of articulation mega accessories etc etc um so highly detailed and uh not not super cheap um i think you know you you're generally looking um, you know, somewhere between the 80 to 100 mark for these in the US and here in Australia that then translates to you know 140 to 160 to more on a bad day mm. and the uh, it's quite interesting I, I think not just the character selection but also the kind of interpretations you know of the characters uh, if we just talk about DC to this point so the last one that I talked about, I'm now having, of course, a brain um, uh, aneurysm. I think it was Superman because we were concerned oh, about the course. chest. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Um, so, you know, uh, if we look at, like, you know, Superman, Flash, Shazam, uh, Black Adam, which I haven't got yet, those are all, to me, like really comic accurate um, figures and pretty classic renditions of the character. Um, Deathstroke is a character that, I think your interpretation of him kind of really depends on your vintage. Uh, today's Deathstroke is definitely not the Deathstroke slash Terminator of old. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I was there when he was born. <laughs> I get off my lawn, you jam kids. Um, so anyway, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but first of all, packaging. This uh, Now, I think that when we do our next year in review – we need to start a new category, which is the most useless overpackaging. Um, <laughs> and I have a nomination. Uh, so the the idea behind this is is lovely. You get first of all the outer uh, cover of the the box um, that has got the character logo on it. Um, you know, a little point of reference, I mentioned this um, before, the first couple had a plastic sleeve that had all the stuff printed on it. They've ditched that now. It's just your outer covering. It's got the character logo on the front and then a helpful little guide on the back of the figure and all of the uh, inclusions. And then when you open that up, there is a window box inside. Um, sometimes this has a cover. Uh, your your mileage may vary, but recently we've now kind of ditched the cover and you can't open the box and the cover. You Sorry, I'm just looking down at it to make sure I'm not talking rubbish. Bear with me. No, no rubbish. Um, so now the window box is just a pull-out bit uh, that you open, and then inside there is a little tray contraption that has got not one... Not two, not three, but four layers to it. And Gosh. you think, wow, I know. Um, all I can say is save our plastic. Um, yes. the, 
you know, plastic trees everywhere must be very sad. So I'll just talk you through the layers here. Sorry, I'm rummaging around on the floor. <laughs> I may have just unpacked this. So the top is a lid. Um, and in, in the mix of all this, we've got lots of little sheets of plastic as well, because there is plastic in between the uh, uh, window box and the... Oh, yeah, somewhere. I can't remember now. There's so many pieces. Um, then when you open it up, there is a piece of plastic that is kind of stuck inside the lid, protecting the figure. There's another little piece of plastic around the figure. And on in this tray, we have the figure, which is in a little plastic tray of its own. We have all the main accessories, which we'll talk about in a moment. We have the display base, which has its own plastic cover. Right. You're getting a feel for how much plastic we're talking about here. Yes. And then we open it up, and underneath there is another plastic tray with its own lid. Of course. And all all that is in this second tray that has its has a lid is the plastic figure stand, which I never use. Mm-hmm. And then the world's most peculiar inclusion in any line of toys which is the obligatorily 112 collective branded plastic bag. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> it just escapes me. Uh, it just escapes me of, of, like, you know, the thing I find really interesting is that when you're trying to unpack, like, you know, why do people do things? Why is it so? Nin- 99% of the time, there is a reason for it, and someone thinks that it's a good or useful thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know, I'm trying. I'm, I had this discussion with one of our vendors at work the other day, where I was saying, "I'm sure that you want me to be able to understand what you're doing and be able to see the progress of the task that we've given you." So I can't see it, but I'm sure it's not because you don't want me to see it. It's just because I <laughs> you haven't been able to explain to me how you think that I should be able to see it, right? Like trying to be – so somewhere out there, someone is like, isn't it great that we include this plastic bag because it just wouldn't be complete without it? But I don't get it because you've got this amazing packaging that you would never throw away. If this came yeah. with a mm. – you know, if this came with a carded figure that had a lot of accessories, like if this was a standard pack-in from Marvel Legends or – Whatever, I would think it was amazing. Oh, I know. For the Batman animated line, mm, the billion mm. accessories and the yes. not collector friendly packaging, that stuff needs to come with a plastic bag. This, not so mm. much. And I always look at these and think, I wonder what little accessory you could have been instead. <laughs> yeah, tried. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, what could have been? I mean, yeah, to add, to add insult to injury. This whole tray with the lid is for the two most useless things in the whole shebang. So I don't know. I don't know. And and as I as I always like to say, there there were meetings about this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and someone went, Yes, this is good. Yes, this is a, a you know, cost effective. Sigh. Alright. So that's packaging. <laughs> I'll try and be a little bit more concise as we go. Um, <clears throat> so now we get to the actual figure itself. So let's talk kind of the concept first. As I alluded to before, this is definitely not your granddaddy's uh, Deathstroke. Or, well, if it was your granddaddy, then he would probably call it Terminator. 
That's right. Um, yes. Or was Deathstroke the Terminator, really, wasn't it? Like, he was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was. Which somehow they got around copyright issues. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's any coincidence that he kind of became just Deathstroke pretty quickly. But um, mm, the, mm. yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you know, somewhere along the way, the kind of, I mean, it, it was never a um, uncomplicated uniform, was it? Like, you know, right from the beginning. I think it was it's one of the greatest a- costumes of all time. Oh, Simple absolutely. as that. But, it shouldn't work, yeah. but Prez made it work. <laughs> but, I mean, th- but there was always a lot happening. Right, so it's not like you know some you know uh, figures and things you look at or new stylings of costumes and think like how could you kind of take that that seamless original costume and make it so complicated? But you know there was always a lot That's happening right. with with, with Deathstroke, right? Like you know, we had the the pirate boots and the the gloves and yeah, the, the gloves, yeah. you know the the um, ammo. You know, yeah. the belt, the pouches, like necessary underwear on the outside. That, exactly. So, yeah, there was always a lot happening. And so, when I initially look at this, I'm like, my gosh, there's a lot happening. But then I got to remember that, you know, it, this is somewhere along the way, a lot of that stuff that was kind of softer, um, foofier became armor. Yes. And, you know, which, which is fair enough. Um, and probably makes more sense from a uh, durability, you know, perspective, et cetera. So, but the, so this is definitely your more modern um, Deathstroke version, uh, uh, and there is a lot happening here. Um, but I'll just talk about the inclusions, and I'll talk about the kind of um, quality thereof. So we've got the figure which has over thirty points of articulation. Uh, we have got uh, a swap out head, which is the Slade Wilson um, uh, eye patch. Um, Thing that thing happening. Spoilers. Oh, <laughs> somewhere along the way, he loses an eye. Um, that only happened what thirty years ago. I don't know. Yeah, about then. Um, yeah. yeah, about then. Yeah. The and then uh, we've got weapons. We have the assault rifle, the handgun, the sword with sheath. Uh, which is the sheath is it's kind of underselling it because it's got a whole belt and pouch thing that snaps around him um, in order to sustain the sheath. Uh, mm-hmm. We have six interchangeable hands uh, and then the uh, collective display base and uh, adjustable posing post. Um, note that on the list of accessories on the back that the plastic bag does not get a mention. <laughs> Disappointing is all that I can say. Um, so it's funny because when I first looked at this, like the the uh, sheath and um, oh, harness that snaps around him is packaged separately, and so it, it, the uh, hell and he's packaged with the helmet on and the unmasked head off, um, and it's pretty. Harsh, pretty confronting, just kind of like, wow, there's so much happening, you know, here, you know, so much orange, so much blue. Um, and putting the the harness with the pouches on actually quite uh, just softens it a bit um, and, you know, gives you a, a bit of a sense of some texture there, etc. But I want to make special mention of uh, we, before the pouch is on, and I will add photos and you've got to have a look at this because... We've got this breastplate thing happening, 
and I want to make two comments about it. The first is that we like we get a little bit of the same uh, wow. There's a lot of chest effect as what Superman has underneath his. Um, oh yes, yes. Uh, shirt, which I'm still disturbed about. Um, <laughs> the second is that this breastplate ha- is mostly orange, and it has a bunch of like dings in the paint, damage and stuff. Mm. And if you are a kid, uh, a toy collecting kid of my vintage, you're going to look at that and think battle armor, He Man. <laughs> yes, it looks exactly like you know Come how on. he had the swap That's- out. Yeah, um, breastplate. So there was like the one without the damage, and the one with some damage, and the one yep. with a lot of damage. This is the lot of damage version. Oh, I feel now like I, might now I can't it. unsee it. I know, <laughs> but I'm serious. Like it just, I feel like they might have even just borrowed the mold. Like it's, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's um. hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. So yeah, so there's that. Um, the the, the uh, there's a l- amazing amount of work put in to make this happen, right? And when you have the extra complexity of we've got soft goods underneath this, the amount of time I would think that it would take to kind of work out how this is actually going to work and be put together is amazing. And one of the hallmarks of this line is that there's no... Hello. Hi. I don't know what happened. Weird. You just weird. you were mid word and then just gone, and like yeah. I could see it was still ticking over, and and yeah, it was very odd. Yeah. What was I talking about? The I'm going to display it with the unmasked head. No, no. Like I was, you know, because I was the first thing I do is kind of check all the settings and like, did I do anything? Did I bump anything? Um. So, so yeah, that was huh. That was peculiar. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I'll just try and pick up where I think we left off. Cool. Okay. Five, four, three. So I, for the moment, I think I'm going to be displaying this with the unmasked head. Um, because one of the things that I haven't quite come to terms with yet with this newfangled modern death stroke is the, the helmet as opposed to the, the mask. Um, I'm very partial to the the you know more traditional mask with the either visible eye or you know one side orange one side yeah yeah black um and the helmet just feels too kind of you know Arkham to me <laughs> you know, too too video game but yeah like you said I think it makes sense in that kind of modern interpretation of you know mercenary with body armor and you know this is some yeah, sort of yeah. ballistic oh, totally. ballistic mask that will resist a bullet or something but it does take away from that that timeless Perez mask that I think yeah. you know was, was just flawless in its design yeah yeah I mean even as I'm uh, kind of you know looking at the figure now and manipulating it it's growing on me and feeling more like you know destruct but I'll yeah, I'm. I still like the unmasked head. Um, so there is a lot happening here, like the sculpting of all of the different pieces of armor, boots, the like gloves slash you know armlets. I don't know what they are. Um, the the shoulder pads. There's a lot of ammo happening, and then he's got kind of a sculpted the, the breastplate, obviously, but a whole collar thing happening, which is actually more of a leather faux leather type thing. 
Um, you know, it is really, really impressive. Um, the, and what I love about these figures is that despite all of that, they, there's a, you know, there's nothing standing in the way of the articulation. Um, and that, that's obviously where I think these are, are so strong, um, is that, you know, you've got that really detailed look, you've got the cloth and the, you know, the, the kind of mixed media happening. And then on top of it all, you've got this really highly articulated figure that, um, is easy to pose, is easy to stand up. So I'm really, I'm loving all of that. Um, <clears throat> Weapons wise, then we've got the um, the assault rifle I mentioned before, but then also a handgun which does have a holster. He's got a holster on the side of his um, right leg, so you can have that on board even if you're not displaying it. Um, and so there's no besides the kind of swap out hands. There's no you don't have to kind of choose to leave any of the accessories behind. He can be have gun in one hand, assault rifle in the other and the sword in a sheath, or, you know, assault rifle, sword, and gun in the holster, etc. And if I have to have lots, if I, there's lots of accessories happening, that's, this is the way I like it, that I can display the figure with all of them and not have to kind of leave some of them yeah. behind. Yeah. So that is good. Um, the unmasked head um, uh, is good. Um uh, there is a bit of a I don't know it's just whether it's a paint issue or a um, a sculpt issue, but his mouth to me is kind of a little bit of a funny position. It kind of looks like he's biting his lower lip or or something, um, and I can't really. It's hard to tell. I think it is more the sculpt. I mean, I've had a look at photos of of other pieces online just to kind of see if it's just mine or is it the whole thing, and I think that's just the way that. It is so. That's that's life. Um, the uh, yeah. So anyway, I think that um, you know, th th they have done a, a beautiful job with this, and um, it is a nice addition. I I think this you know, this is a highly popular character. Um, I would love to think that there might be the scope for a more classic version down the road because I would love to see a mixed media. Mm. on that costume yes indeed. Um, yeah so and i mean there is a there's a variant of this but it is a stealth variant which is same gear with muted colors it's a previous exclusive so that's a pass for me um mm. but you know this line is doing very well um and this is like i said this is a popular character so one can dream um you know about a classic uh deathstroke down the road uh, yep. but yeah look i mean obviously the the Packaging is a criticism just because I think it's wasteful, but in terms of a dolly rating, nothing to complain about here. It's got to be a 10 um, because this is just uh, really groovy. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of stuff with – because Deathstroke has changed so much and the modern version is not really my jam, a lot of that you – know, even though I really like the character, a lot of stuff is an easy pass for me. Um, you know, I'm not even – yeah. Yeah, you know, just because it's like, yeah, that's not my gesture. Um, but this and this, though, I still I really like. Yeah, look, I, I'm actually this has been growing on me as well. And um, Deathstroke's one of those few characters that I do kind of pick up the various, you know, like the Arkham version and that sort of thing. Um, and and yeah, this review has done wonders for uh, you know increasing my uh, temptation of clicking on the you know buy it button. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I think. You know, 
I, I, I do like this. I'm not really against, you know, updating the costume because, you know, in terms of um, someone putting on a, a blue and orange spandex suit and then calling themselves a villain and, and wanting to be taken seriously, I think the Perez, <laughs> the, the Perez costume is pretty dated. Um, yeah. But I, I, I wish there was some consistency to this modern look. Um, it really yes. does seem to be one of those, oh, yeah, you know, Deathstroke's a, a modern mercenary and so he'd wear the gear. And it's like, oh, cool, I play Army of Two, so, you know, I'm going to give him this, 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 and, and you know, so long as you uh, draw the costume in a way that allows some elements to be coloured blue and others orange, you know, so you can tell it's Destro. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a free-for-all, which I think is a little disappointing. Yeah, and I think you've really hit the nail on the head, is that, you know, it's one thing to kind of accept a, a modernised version of a costume, but he doesn't have a modern, iconic look. It's just kind of... A jumble of blue and orange armor with some exactly leather and stuff thrown in, and so yeah, it doesn't. And to me, you know, then it it loses that sense of um, you know, real recognizability. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, that, I think that's that's the, what I the issue I take with it. But I do, you know. But then, you know, I think this is this is a, a great piece. Um, I have not pulled the trigger on the. Sideshow premium format for the same reason. Um, same, I th- same. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one that I feel like I probably will want, but it's just, but but I also, you know, we're talking about a big price and space investment there, and you know, I feel like uh, the chances of getting a classic Deathstroke in that scale scale are probably pretty slim. Yeah. Um. But gosh, I would love it. <laughs> Yes, I have $130 of uh, Sideshow reward points sitting there because I had that that sort of jumble up at the end of last year where a bunch of stuff shipped early, a bunch of stuff shipped on time, and a bunch of stuff that was late came in. So I kind of suddenly accrued all these points. I'm just sitting there going, oh, you know, hovering, hovering. Uh, But I'll uh, I'll wait and see what their new Daredevil looks like before I do that. That's hilarious. Hmm. <laughs> the choices us collectors have to make. It's such a challenge. It really <laughs> <is>. <laughs> oh, the endless torment. Oh, it's horrible. I'm so sad now. <laughs> cool. Well, well that's me review, as they say. Thank you very much, Mr. Scotty. That was most excellent indeed. We are we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna do more toy goodness. If your collecting addiction is a hard itch to scratch then you might lack a bit of insurance that you always have some new goodies on the horizon. Loot Crate is the world's favorite subscription box service, and they're currently offering AFB listeners 10% off any of their flexible subscription plans. Every Loot Crate includes exclusive apparel and collectible items built around a theme, and there are so many theme crates to choose from, whether you're into a more general pop culture or gaming theme, or you have a more specific interest. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues and enter the promo code BREACH10. If you do sign up and you love your loot, be sure to go to the AFB Facebook page and post a pic of your new gear. That's trylootcrate.com forward slash afblues with the promo code BREACH10. Well, over the years, of which there are many now, we have reviewed many things on this show. Big things, small things, uh, cheap things, expensive things. Um, and so it's 
hard for us to kind of you know really hit new highs or milestones these days but i think we're hitting a couple tonight with this next review i'm feeling like we're probably hitting the biggest <laughs> milestone mm. i feel like we could be hitting the most expensive milestone and one of the reasons I'm mentioning this is so I can play this to my wife and point out that neither of them are me. <laughs> yes, it's the gift so that I give. <laughs> I am ever so thankful to Ben <laughs> for uh, purchasing this next item um, so that the next time that my wife says, gosh, these things, I can say, well, at least I don't have this one. <laughs> yes. So, with that introduction, Ben, take us away. Well, thank you, sir. Um, so for anyone who has listened to the show for any length of time, uh, a couple of things you'll take away from my reviews. Are, one, they're usually twice as long as everybody else's, uh, <laughs> and which is ever so subtly pointed out to me by my podcast colleagues. Um, the other one is that um, my OCD has me follow the script quite closely. So uh, we use a template. Uh, which is why, you know, you always got all the really groovy information because we run through the template in order and that's how you find out, you know, who and when and where and size and cost and all that sort of thing. Um, and, and I find that quite um, quite useful for structuring my reviews. Uh, but for my next item, uh, I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and uh, I think my review will be pretty obvious as we go. So I'm actually going to start with a dolly rating and... <laughs> I'm going to give this one a 10 out of 10. Uh, I I would give it an 11 out of 10 if I were allowed, but uh, 10 is the most you can give when, you know, on a scale of, you know, 0 to 10. Um, so, look, yeah, look, there's, there's really no, um, you know, getting around this one. It is an extraordinary piece. And uh, I am talking about the Ghost Rider quarter scale statue from XM Studios. Now, uh, I only recently... Uh, fell into the XM uh, bandwagon, and, and that was to acquire originally the uh, classic Iron Man, um, simply because I don't have a quarter scale Iron Man in my statue collection. And <laughs> first world problem, I know. Um, and, and then, of course, they solicited Beta Ray Bill, who I just thought was extraordinary. In I know it's awful, isn't it? That's awful. And, and I've honestly resisted uh, many nice pieces from XM uh, simply because of the cost and lo the logistics uh, of getting it here. So uh, if you were to venture to Singapore where XM Studios are located, you'd notice that uh, uh, Singapore Mail, they actually drive around in delivery trucks made of gold. Um, and uh, to be able to afford these vehicles, they charge extraordinary prices for their shipping. So. Um, you know, all the drivers wear Armani suits, and and that's represented in the prices they charge to ship things. So, um, so so when XM do solicit something, the first thing I think of is, good God, I can imagine how big the box is, how heavy that would be, and then fuss how much it would cost to ship. Um, so there are some pretty good contacts around for XM pieces, um, as we've discussed in the past. There's no kind of uh, mainstream sort of Australian or, or continental US distributor, uh, so you tend to have to sort of get to know someone. But if you spend enough time on groups in Facebook, you'll you'll see that there are people willing to act as go-betweens and um, for a small markup. So, Ghost Rider, uh, not I, surprising. Sorry, just before you move on, just can I add a, a little asterisk to that? Um, yes, yes. If you are looking, you know, into. XM pre-orders as well. 
I, I would say buyer buyer beware on buying yes. a pre-order from someone. Um, yes. Because uh, there have been some uh, fairly nasty cases of people um, fleecing money yes. through that. Like, you know, if you, you just go up and uh, say, I'm just taking deposits on this, etc., and then you can run away with a whole bunch of money. So yes. just buyer, buyer beware. Yes, yes. Um, so Ghost Rider, not surprisingly, uh, comes on his motorbike and, uh, as you can imagine, being one quarter scale, that is a very large piece. Uh, I can actually remember when the first images of this piece went up and uh, it had him on his bike and the the wheels were actually wheels, and, and that sounds odd because I'm talking about a motorbike, but uh, the art direction changed quite dramatically. Now, Scotty, if you remember back in the day when Bowen was quite active, there was one forum on the internet in particular where uh, Bowen did actually um, get quite involved with the fans and they gave him a lot of feedback uh, on pieces in, in the early design stage, and it worked out to... Um, to collectors, you know, benefit because he'd often change pieces based on the feedback he received. And uh, XM aren't that, actually that much different. They post up early um, sort of, um, I guess, you know, preliminary or work in progress shots in, in ZBrush and, and that sort of thing and, and fans comment. Uh, and one of the things that, that was actually quite successful in terms of the Ghost Rider piece is they actually changed the, the wheels from being that traditional um, sort of rubber with spokes, you know, that were on fire um, to changing it to, to what looks like, you know, just a disc that is made of fire. Uh, and, and I think it's obviously um, much better for it. So um, really cool to sort of see that sort of thing happening with XM that they, they do get involved because it's not something that Sideshow uh, in particular is known for. So anyway, look, I had uh, originally no plans whatsoever to acquire this piece knowing that shipping would be horrendous. Um, it was also an XM exclusive. Uh, XM do this really odd thing where every now and then they will produce a statue where you actually you actually have to order it from XM themselves. Often it'll tie in with one of the big uh, sort of comic cons, you know, trade show type thing and people will line up for for sort of like the whole day to put in a pre-order and if there are any left, they go up on the website. So it was actually a difficult one to get hold of as well. Uh, so as time went on, um, a couple of people I know in the statue collecting community managed to acquire them. And then one guy in particular who I have both um, bought statues from and sold statues to uh, was trying to offload his Ghost Rider. Uh, getting more into the custom space and, and trying to raise money to buy sort of custom pieces. Uh, and he actually had a lot of trouble trying to sell uh, this piece because of the shipping. So the the box is obviously much larger than uh, a normal sort of box. Um, it's, it's gigantic, actually, but it weighs 32 kilos. And uh, most what? yes, most couriers in Australia, if you fill out the shipping weight and it's over 30 kilos, they charge you an extra fee because it has to have a forklift um, to move it. They won't actually let a courier shift a box over 30 kilos. So, obviously, with logistical issues in shipping it overseas and that sort of thing, this particular fellow had a lot of trouble moving the statues. So, the price actually started coming down, coming down, coming down um, to the point where I sent him a message <clears throat> as a bit of a joke saying, hey, you know, uh, if you keep dropping the price, I I'll buy it off you. And uh, he obviously latched onto that and got 
sort of quite enthusiastic in, in trying to sell it to me. And again, the price came down. And so um, I started floating the idea with uh, my beloved, uh, Mrs. Shake, and uh, Christmas was actually on the horizon. I think this was probably late November 2017. So it is a 2017 release, getting back to the actual template that we use. Um, and uh, in the end, um, Mrs. Shake said, you know, if you're actually really that keen on getting it, uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you if you want to raise half the cost by selling off a few of your things like you've been doing, I'll match the other half and yeah, you can have it sort of for Christmas and birthday uh, for the next 50 years. And uh, and so I said, okay, and with uh, with much gusto, um, <laughs> I started uh, picking up a few things that I decided I could part with. And, um, yeah, we've talked about this a bit in the past, Scotty, and I, I kind of came to that realisation that as much as I love the 1-6 scale Star Wars stuff from both Sideshow and Hot Toys, um, at the rate that they actually do release those, there, there was no way I could actually commit to putting together a uh, I guess, a, a collection that I'd be happy with. So uh, I decided to sacrifice uh, a few of those and uh, and I moved them along and managed to raise half the money. And so uh, another week went by and the price came down again and then I joked with a fellow, you know, that the price had still come down and he said, oh, if you buy it tonight, I'll ship it for free. So that was enough to get me over the line. So so, yes, within about sort of a two-week period, I had gone from uh, not planning on owning this piece at all to um, to actually, you know, forking over an awful lot of money through PayPal. Now, um, kudos again to XM. When this piece was solicited, it was actually the same price as most of their other statues, which uh, I didn't realize at the time. Yes, yes. So, the original price was 990 Singapore dollars, and uh, I, I think they're pretty close to Australian dollars. So I think in US dollars, that's you know, probably around 750, 800 US, depending on the, the day, um, which is quite remarkable when you realise just how much you know, polystone you're actually getting for your dollars. So I'll, I'll, I'll move right along and look, um, you know, I'll sort of skip over the, the packaging because uh, I've talked extensively about that in the past. It's standard XM. You get that beautiful black linen cardboard box with those straps holding it closed. When you open it, the first thing you are actually presented with is the booklet. And boy, howdy, do you, do you need this booklet? Uh, the, book, the booklet is, um, is, is critical, really, to getting this guy together. Um, I've included a pic uh, in, in the script here, um, you know, the bits and pieces in the box. And uh, it is the normal sort of styrene box. Um, with two levels, um, not surprisingly, just with the base alone, it sort of takes up half of sort of one of the levels. But um, this piece actually has 20 individual pieces. Uh, so <laughs> the usual, uh, you know, Scotty, we normally, you know, unpack our premium format statues and, you know, you plonk the base down, you take out the, you know, the body and you pop it on the base and then you might have a, a head or an arm that you need to attach and uh, really that's as exciting as it gets. Uh, in order to to achieve what they've managed to do with this piece, um, there is a lot of pieces, a lot of pieces. So in terms of art direction, um, look, this is the, the Dan Ketch Ghost Rider. This isn't Johnny Blaze in his nifty little two-piece blue sort of um, circus outfit. Um, this is Dan Ketch from the 90s, that kind of um, Javier Saltara's, um, um, you know, Mark Teixeira. Uh, with you know the spikes along the shoulders and and that sort of stuff uh, and the leather jacket, um, and 
you know, it's it's pretty spot on to to the source material. The uniform um, is exactly what you'd expect from that '90s series. There's a few extra bits and pieces, like some straps on the boots, um, but certainly not as dramatic as some of those sort of XM decisions where they've taken a, a few too many liberties. I think with costumes that I keep mentioning, the Daredevil I think was a bit over the top for me. Um, so the bike is actually fairly straightforward. Uh, you know, in the original days, Ghost Rider just rode a motorbike. There was actually no flames or anything like that. And uh, they've done sort of reasonably well here in terms of keeping that um, sedate because the flames are mainly on the wheels. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you get a, a skull on the front of the bike and that sort of thing. And uh, Ghost Rider's in the, the middle of sort of tearing up um, the ground as he, he rides along because he's even set the sort of the, the ground on fire as he rides uh, rides over it um some interesting choices on the base uh the base actually has some skulls on it which i think is a, a bit of a, a weird choice because i originally thought it was just him riding along a bitumen road and you know the extra flames were him just setting the bitumen on fire you know with the, the hellfire um but there's a whole bunch of scum scum skulls um, proliferating the base, which makes me think that maybe he's in hell and he's riding over the, you know, some, you know, the souls of the damned or something like that. So I don't know. Um, I probably would have just preferred a, a road uh, and be done with it. Uh, but uh, that's what they've gone for. Uh, it's a very dramatic piece. So not only is the bike kind of slightly elevated with the uh, the front wheel coming off the ground, but Ghost Rider's in the the middle of sort of flinging his chain. Uh, as well and uh, you know the mouth's open and I don't know maybe some sort of demonic laugh and, and whatnot so so it is a very dynamic piece and I think they've done a, a fantastic job in, in that sort of control art I guess um, it's a really quite sort of impressive now uh, putting it together is um, you, you know the, the booklet is where you know things shine here because it, it's so nicely detailed every there's a picture of all the pieces in the box and each one has a number and then the book says, you know, do this number and then put number five here and put number six here. So despite all the pieces and the intricacies of it, I really didn't have too much trouble at all. And what I found as it came together is you, you take out this fairly plain base, which is which is actually quite small given that the piece is as big as it is. Um, the, the base is probably only about half the length of the statue because the, the forks of the, the bike stick out so far um, that I think they've done quite well in keeping that base uh, quite small, particularly for people who have some, those sort of rotating bases that they like putting under their statues. So really uh, you start off by putting uh, a few of the flame pieces onto the base. They all slot in nicely. Those that need magnets have magnets those that don't uh, don't which i think is actually quite good in that they've they've sort of made that assessment and, and it all works quite well and, and then the the biggest piece is obviously um, two-thirds of the bike which uh, slots into the base and is actually supported um, sort of under the engine by another piece so uh, despite the fact that the bike's up in the air it actually sits really really well with one of the biggest pegs you've ever seen it's really quite solid um, then you sort of uh, move forward and you just keep adding those extra pieces pieces so um there's a really interesting way they've supported the front of the bike there's a, a huge flame that sticks out from the front of the base uh, and that's got a really long peg on it that slots into the front of the base and that's what actually supports um i guess the, the front wheel uh so that front wheel and the forks uh are a sort of a Ooh, i lost you yeah, so we did it in reverse this time. Ugh, 
far out. How handy. I know. <laughs> yes. All right. We're talking about spokes, I think. That's kind of the last thing I remember. Is that mm-hmm. possible? Mm, I was talking about the front wheel being supported off the ground by the flame. Oh yeah, I, I heard I heard a bit of that. Just pick up, maybe say that start from there again, and I'll piece it together. All right. <clears throat> In five, four, three. So there's this really large flame that uh, sticks into the front of the base with a really long, strong peg. And at first it feels really weird, like with this weird flame just jutting out on its own. But the front wheel and the forks of um, the, the bike are one piece. And as you attach those to the main part of the bike, the front wheel is then rests down on that flame sticking out. And so it actually gives you a really cool effect of this is the front wheel leaving a trail of fire behind, but what that that flame is actually that what that fire is actually doing is supporting the weight of the front of the bike with that wheel, front wheel on it. So it's actually quite clever. So, you know, the more I put this thing together, the more I was impressed at how they managed to pull it together. I mean you know, getting this level of detail in a polystone statue with this much detail, I think is an absolute credit to XM. Like this is, from an engineering point of view, this is easily the best statue I've ever seen. It's quite remarkable. So, yeah, look, you move on and uh, Ghost Rider is one piece except for the head. Uh, You take the body out and those little spikes on top of the shoulder and around the top of his boots and around his wrist, etc. Yeah, uh, just a warning for new players. They are really sharp, (laughs) really sharp. Um, I actually got quite a surprise because, you know, you're picking up a a quarter scale statue when you take Ghost Rider out of the box. Um, So, you know, be warned. So uh, all solid pieces here, obviously nothing hollow. So look, he pops onto the bike fairly easy, nice big peg in his butt that goes into the bike and he looks good. Um, No problem problems with fitting anything like his feet sit on the uh, the pegs quite nicely then the head is a separate piece and uh, it's quite interesting because there's actually a huge gap uh, at the, in sort of the top of his torso not just in the neck where most sort of neck um where you know the peg from the head normally sort of slots in this one actually goes down down the front of the torso uh, into the chest um so that looks really groovy nicely painted in the eyes etc um so look you know i won't go into detail of all 20 pieces but it slowly starts to come together but i think one of the most remarkable sorry can i ask how long it took to assemble the whole thing uh, look, it was probably about half an hour. This was on the, the afternoon of Christmas Day because I was uh, I was wanting to be sure that I didn't sort of miss anything and 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 of course just that just the nature of the each of those little pieces with the flames they're actually quite delicate. So you know you're handling everything really slowly and carefully and um, yeah you just want to make sure you don't snap anything. Uh, particularly this last bit, which is the chain. So the the chain is actually in a number of pieces, and if you look carefully uh, at some of the photos of of the XM Ghost Rider, you can see that the chain starts off in his right hand, goes around behind his back, comes up sort of his left-hand side over the handlebars into the air, and that's where the spiky bit on the end is kind of poking. Uh, And so this is actually a really clever um, design in that it's actually in segments that click together with magnets, but just at some really subtle points 
um, it's actually supported. So it actually clicks against um, him around sort of where his hip is. And then as it goes up over the handlebars, there's actually a piece that clicks into the top of the handlebars. And so it's all really subtle and it does look like the, you know, the chain is flinging through the air, but it's all really nicely uh, supported. So there's nothing to really sort of worry about there. So, uh, you know, getting in together looks fantastic. The detail in the bike is uh, amazing. The the sculpt is sensational. However, my OCD is just off the charts with one little thing. Sorry, just and, full stop. Oh, uh, look. Yeah, it, it's a really odd thing, but it's actually his belt buckle. Now, he's wearing a belt, uh, as some of us do, because we don't want our trousers to fall down in public. Yes, and he's wearing a belt, and the belt is a traditional belt, but the little, the, the two little prongs that stop the belt from actually coming undone are facing the wrong way. So if, if you imagine putting on a belt and you, you, know, you put the belt around you and you bring it around, you put it through the loop, and you know how you pull it? you know, back against itself and then you put the little metal pin into the hole and then you feed the belt through, the pin is actually going in the same direction as the belt and it's it's kind of, it's you know, it's contrary to what it's meant to do. But all the other buckles like on his boots and stuff are actually correct and they're going the right way, but this one isn't. And so every time I kind of see it, I I, I can't unsee it. So in terms of sculpt, that's really the only uh, objection. Everything else is amazing. The the sort of skull, the demon skull on the front of the bike, the detail in the bike. Obviously, someone has used a real uh, engine for reference, so all of those elements are amazing. Some of the flames have been sculpted to actually have pieces of rock and bitumen in them as if they're being flung up. Um, look, moving away from that and getting into paint, uh, <laughs> I've said this with the classic Iron Man and Beta Ray Bill that, you know, I think XM definitely lead the market in terms of paint and paint application. Um, I really, really have not been able to fault any of the pieces that I own, and this is no exception. Um, you know, everything is just as you would expect it to be. The flames in particular are, are obviously the centerpiece, and you want those to be perfect, and they've really <clears throat> committed to that multi-layering of the orange, red, yellow um, to really sort of get that that sort of, um, you know, that you know almost realistic effect, uh, and it's yeah. just – it's just been executed beautifully. Um, you know, I think the the way the base, um, you know, with the skulls and, and the rock, et cetera, contrasts with the flames uh, is really nice. Again, it wouldn't have been my choice, but what they have done is great. And then, of course, the work they've done on Ghost Rider himself, you'd think that he'd actually be fairly straightforward and you just paint him black and move on. Um, but there's lots of little subtle uh, highlights bringing out, you know, the, the black in the, the leather jacket compared to, say, the pants, which aren't you know, leather, et cetera. Uh, and then, of course, you know, little subtle bits on the belt buckles and, and that, you know, in the silver. So really just uh, amazing. And look, it's a huge piece. Um, he, I think, to the, the top of the chain thing, which is kind of flinging out, uh, you know, in front of the handlebars, um, it's two feet. It's 24 inches, um, which is obviously not the tallest statue, but it's probably two and a half in in length. So it really is a big piece. And, you know, at first I was kind of blown away by just how big this was. Uh, and I thought, wow, you know, this is just e enormous and they've pulled it off so successfully. But as as sort of the weeks have gone on, it 
it kind of just fits and makes sense. Like, yes, it is big and imposing, but it's still just Ghost Rider on his bike, and and he just fits in with the rest of the statues. Um, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to pop him on a sh- on a shelf, so. Normally, I, I set my statues up on this coffee table that has followed me my entire life, and I just haven't got the heart to throw out, despite how crappy it is compared to the rest of the furniture. Um, you know, I normally take a few photos, you know, of the statue on that table before I move it to its final home. Uh, and unfortunately, he doesn't have a final home, so he's still sitting on yeah. the coffee table. Mm-hmm. So when we watch TV, you know, one of the first things I do is is kind of shift him over <laughs> out of the way, and I, I move the coffee table over oh um, so so we can see the TV. So. So look, this I, I think really you know this is a um, I guess I'm trying to think of the the exact words, but I think this has to be the piece where XM are throwing the gauntlet down to all the other companies and saying, hey, um, you know, look what what we're capable of doing, and you need to pay attention because uh, I dread to think how much sideshow would charge for a piece like this. Um, you know, it it really is quite remarkable and. I don't know about you, Scotty, but I, I kind of feel like some of the choices that Sideshow have made in the in the last kind of 12 to 18 months have been fairly safe choices. I think, you know, an exception to that would be something like Lobo, which had uh, quite a bit going on and the, the price reflected that. And so I'm, I'm kind of every now and then when I think of the characters that haven't been made yet, I think, well, maybe they haven't been made because there's just so much work you know involved in that piece in the costuming and stuff that it's just you know one they keep putting on the back burner and uh, and so you'd have to wonder whether they'd ever get around to to doing a ghost rider so look i'm you know i'm just blown away by this piece uh, i feel extremely fortunate uh to actually own it um i think i've uh, used up all my brownie points for for quite some time so uh yeah and um, it's actually quite odd, but I actually don't have any quarter scale statues in uh, in the, the in the works. I don't have anything on order from Sideshow. I don't have anything from XM on order. Um, Maybe not I, no, no, I still haven't actually committed to buying her yet. Um, I was looking at Batgirl the other day, uh, but I haven't actually, yeah, I haven't actually plonked plonk down any hard earned. So. So there you go. This uh, is an um, amazing piece. Um, you know, I'm still tempted to put him in, you know, the running for, for 2018 uh, prizes, even though I acquired him, you know, late last year. Uh, yeah, it, it really is uh, an astonishing um, piece of engineering. So kudos to the to the guys at XM. I'm really loving hearing that they charge their standard price for this. Um, yes. That I think is super impressive. And yes. Because the, uh, you know, it's easy to sit obviously on the sidelines and make comments about cost increases, et cetera. And we don't, we don't really understand the, um, the scale or the, the overheads, uh, not to kind of kick Pearl sideshow, but um, the, yeah, it, the the price and the way that their stuff has just kind of crept up is a bit is disconcerting. Um, yeah. And but when in some spaces, although I do also think that they have actually done a really nice kind of reset of some of their quality control and also 
just you know level of detail etc we talked about that a little while ago that yep. you know there was a point where some of their marvel stuff in particular was feeling very phoned in and in terms of what you would expect for the the genre and the price point mm. um, but mm. it's just great to see competition is healthy and it helps everyone this is uh, interesting, and I think it's also really interesting what you were just saying in terms of um, the fact that you don't have stuff on pre-order. Um, and what what does that mean? Is that like that pe- habits are you know changing? Um, you know, not not even necessarily like what you're getting, but just the kind of buying habits, perhaps. Um, I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, look, I think one of the big things for me too was there there was a much promised change to Australian laws in terms of importation of goods. Um, we we sort of talked about this on and off over the years, uh, in that obviously Australians are sort of. Um, online shopping, you know, in greater numbers than ever. Uh, and for a while there, you could get goods brought into the country and so long as it was under uh, a value of a 1000 Australian dollars, um, it was exempt. And they kept talking about how they were going to drop that, I think it was to $50 or something ridiculous. And we all laughed and said, you know, there was no way that the sort of customs um, could enforce that, that they just didn't have the workforce to do that. But I'm seeing more and more people, particularly on Facebook, commenting about. I think it was Thanos shipping from Sideshow with a value of 1,200 US dollars, uh, and one fellow was saying that you know because he got the exclusive from Sideshow, he was hit with um, 300 dollars for shipping and another 300 dollars for the the customs fees, and 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 look you know for for our friends in in you know uh, the various you know United Kingdom um, countries. They've had to suffer from, you know, VAT for years to the point where Sideshow actually works out the VAT uh, and charges the customer and then gives the money over to the government so you can't even kind of get around it. So, you know, look, I think this has been a long time coming, but I guess, you know, rounding it up, what what I'm saying is that, um, you know, there are more options for you and I to buy these pieces here in Australia, but um, at the expense of not getting the Sideshow exclusive uh, piece, which is often a, a swap out portrait or something. And to be honest, um, you know, Sideshow also recently changed their shipping in terms of for their overseas customers, they're shipping directly from China rather than shipping everything to California and then shipping the international ones out from there. Um, and that's meant an increase in shipping costs for us coming directly from China. So it, it's gotten to the point now where I was doing some sums, and I know you're going to find this incredibly surprising, but I've got a spreadsheet uh, that um, that actually calculates how much I can get a statue for from Sideshow versus uh, some of the options here in Australia. And, you know, for, it, it is obviously dependent on exchange rates and things like that. But for some of the exclusives, the Sideshow exclusives, like a swap-out portrait or something, you know, we're, we're looking at around 250 Australian dollars. Um, you know, which is at the moment, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 200 US dollars just for that swap out portrait. So I've actually been asking myself, you know, for, for Zatanna, um, do I want to pay, you know, $250 for a rabbit? Um, uh, and the answer is no. And so, you know, I'm, I'm stalking, you know, places here so that I can just get the regular edition and save some money. And therefore, I don't actually pre-order. I, I, I sort of wait until... I can snaffle a good deal, and I find a lot of 
uh, collectors here in Australia will buy things and then have buyer's remorse and try and move the item on. And uh, yeah, so I, I think I, I think yeah, my passion over their carcass is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, I, I can fleece the dead with with no guilt whatsoever. And uh, so I think what it means to me is my, my passion for the one quarter scale pieces is as great as it's ever been. Like I'm really enjoying. Uh, you know, looking at my collection, but I think the procedure for acquiring them has taken a, a, a significant, you know, a, a perpendicular turn. Well, well, that's, I mean, that's, you know, it's interesting. And I think it, it's great just in terms of um, us having options um, and things change. And yeah, obviously the, the, the change in exchange rate, we had a, had a, I guess, you know, a lovely period where the exchange rate was pretty favorable um and uh our options and it was at, you know certainly at one point cheaper really to get stuff from overseas than it was to yes. try and get it here um you know and that it, it's uh I, I i am uh a creature of habit with some of this stuff where you know i i like the security of having it pre-ordered yeah. um you know i do obviously like with sideshow the ability to kind of you know have a a payment plan and um, you know, yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, ig- ignore, be less blind to what I'm actually spending, basically. <laughs> um, but um, the, you know, like I, I do, I, I'm the same. Like I've been much more prepared to play the waiting game with some of this stuff simply because um, we have so many more options now. Um, and um, yeah, it's interesting. But look, thank you for that um, review. That is obviously a super um exciting thing to have someone on the show talking about um and i'm really glad that it has little expectations i know we didn't talk lots about packaging but i really wanted to ask one question which was just the overall size of the shipper um you know, relative to say you know sideshow batman or something like that yeah it was probably about on par with batman uh, I think the biggest box I've seen in a while is probably the Bane Sideshow Bane was was because it had that um, that double box thing with the spaces, uh-huh. um, which kind of adds to the size. So yeah, probably about on par with Batman, a slightly different shape. Uh, for some reason, XM boxes tend to be um, a bit more squarish. Like they, you know, it's almost like two by two by one, whereas Sideshow are more like three by two by one. Um, and, and yeah, they managed to sort of maintain that consistency, but for this one, it's, it's definitely the weight, like it's good God, like uh, the poor fellow, I, I was actually home when it was delivered and, uh, and, and the first thing I heard was the, was the guy put it down on the front porch with this enormous kind of, kind of <laughs> <laughs> so no forklift. <laughs> No, 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 and uh, and he popped it down, and so so I sort of opened uh, the door, and he went, "Oh, that's a heavy one, or something like that." And I, I sort of you know played dumb in case you know I, yeah didn't know what I was getting myself in for, and and so I I, I kind of just pushed it into the doorway and um, put it sort of just in the in the front entry next to the the door, and that's where it kind of sat because I thought, well, you know, um, Mrs. Shake is going to want to. Uh, sort of have it around, you know, for Christmas Day because it was my gift from from the family. So it sat there for ages and ages, uh, about three weeks or so. And so it finally came time to move. It was like, okay, I, I feel really bad now because, um, you know, I struggled just kind of pushing it into the lounge room to, to open That's it up. Crazy. So, 
and, and the thing is, because of the packaging is Sorry, is quite – well, the XM packaging is quite um, sturdy, so that, that sort of linen cardboard that I mentioned is in itself quite heavy. Uh, and and so for, it's it's really kind of odd because when when he was put together, you know, you use all of the parts. There's there's no swap out parts. There's no alternate portrait or anything. So when I went to put the box in the garage, it's just a brown shipper, the black linen box, two cardboard thingies, and the booklet. Yet it's still really heavy. It's it's really quite awkward. Um, so yes, yes, and. Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm not a, in a hurry to get any other XM pieces. Like, there's um, there's a few kind of older ones that I'm starting to cover slightly, but um, none that have me sort of chasing down pre-orders or, or anything like that. I'm just going to sort of, uh, yeah, take my time for, for some of the Fair ones that are already enough. out. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, thanks very much for that, Ben. That is awesome. Uh, we have a little bit of feedback to talk about before we wrap up, so I'll come back in a moment and do just that. If you like listening to podcasts, then there's a good chance you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor, Audible, is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is X heroes by author Peter Kleins. X heroes is the first book in a series about a group of superheroes trying to survive and protect what's left of humanity in the wake of a zombie apocalypse. It's a genre-bending story that has something for fans of comic books, superhero films, and the whole zombie phenomenon. To get your copy of X heroes for free and start your 30-day trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. Well, before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners we'd like to share with you. And if you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com, and you may just hear it read out. Speaking of which, Mr. Scotty. We have um, one of our absolute favorite bits of feedback besides Oreos, and that <laughs> is the five-star iTunes review. Yay! Mm-hmm. Um and this is from Lost Star Wars. Um, oh. Now I feel sad. <laughs> you find it. Okay, he says, Action Figure Blues is my favorite collecting podcast. It's one of the very few podcasts that I've been continuously listening to for over three years. Wow. P- cool. Please take toilet breaks. That's <laughs> a lot of listening. I really appreciate the variety of collectibles from Star Wars action figures to premium format DC and Marvel statues. I love hearing it all. Keep up the great work, guys. Keep up the great work, Lost Star Wars. You're awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. We really do appreciate those because it yes. does help yes. people find the show. So mm. thank you so much. Um, much appreciated. And. I'm so glad to uh, be back. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> I missed you, everyone. Even you, Ben. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and your Excel spreadsheety ways. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I have a, a team member who, yeah, like one of those people that I tend to carry around with me from project to project just because – she has a very unique set of skills and she she would be your little excel soulmate. <laughs> she can do stuff with excel that like other people would not even yeah. realize exists and i just it's yeah 
It's just like having a little magician in your pocket. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. And on that slightly disturbing uh, mental picture, um, I hope that everyone has a great Valentine's Day. Bye. 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 See you next time. Good night, nerds. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at actionfigureblues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 